Well, we are in the book of Romans, so turn to Romans chapter 14, open any Bible that you use, or if that's on the phone or wherever, please open up whatever you have for the scriptures. And uh, we are in Romans 14, and we are in verse 10 through verse 16, so let's go ahead and read that. But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. I know and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. If you're, yet, if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not, destroy your, uh, do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Let's pray over our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God that's already blessed. We're going to open our heart and receive it and receive nourishment by it. Holy Spirit, we call upon you as the divine teacher. We thank you, Lord, for anointing the eyes, ears, and heart of each person listening. Open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what you're saying. Father, I thank you for breaking this apart and causing each person to hear you speak to them this morning so they walk away with exactly what they need. And only you can do this miracle and believe it's happening right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, last week we had a wonderful lesson on doubtful things. And so before we get into kind of recapping that, if you want to go back and watch that or listen to that, we have several ways you can do that. On our website, you have our archives. You can listen to the audio or the video. And so on your phone, you also, we have on iTunes a podcast, a weekly podcast. So all you have to go up there to River Rock Church, Colorado Springs, and just subscribe, and it'll upload on your phone every Monday. It'll pop up in the morning. And so we have that. We also have our own YouTube channel. And so um, that's our, is that our, what's that? That's something. Yeah, there you go. And that's me. Praise God. And so anyway, so there's many ways to go watch that and listen to that. So do that. Well, last week we talked about doubtful things. And so if you were here last week, what is doubtful things? And so doubtful things are things the scriptures don't particularly specifically say are sin. And so what do we do as Christians with things that we come across? We can't find it in the Bible. Should we participate or not? And how do we navigate the doubtful things? We talked about there was four principles uh, of the Word of God that we're, we can use to navigate doubtful things. Because what are some natural, some doubtful things today? Well, we have, you know, if uh, going to movies. Is it okay to go to movies? And if you do go to a movie, what rating? Does it need to be a G? You know, sometimes you've got to watch out for the G movies nowadays. Or is it PG-13 or what about R? You know, what if, it's a blood, what if it's a war movie and it's just blood? What about that? What about TV? What about TV programs? And what about holidays? So we'd be celebrating Christmas with its commercialism and, and, and uh, have a Christmas tree. And many people's heard that that came from a pagan, the pagan side of it. And should you even have a Christmas tree? And what about Halloween? 
You know, is it okay to dress up your kids in the Superman outfit and the Incredibles and send them out and get candy? And if they do, you get a tithe off the candy. As a praise God. And, and what about other Christians that are participating in it? You know, you look out the door and say, honey, that's Mark from church. He's in an Incredibles outfit. What's he doing out there? Getting candy. I wish I was out there getting candy. You know, what are you going to do about that? Should you have your light on to give candy out? Or no, I'm not going to participate in that because, you know, that's bad. Or what if you hit, give tracks out? And that's an evangelism outreach. So there's a lot of things that we do. What about hobbies? What about hunting and killing Bambi's mother and, and stuff like that? Is that okay to do? And so we have just a lot of stuff that we come across that we should or should not do. And so there was four principles we talked about last week. The first one was found in the book of James Chapter 1, it talked about the law of liberty. And the law of liberty teaches us that if, it's not, if, there's, if it doesn't mention there's sin in there, then that's between you to settle between you and God and your conscience, and that you have freedom before the Lord between you and God. And so it's called the law of liberty. But then we talked about you're not just living by yourself. You're not, in a, you're not an island to yourself. There's other people around you. So the second principle we need to follow is the law of love. That's in James chapter 2 talked about the royal law and so we should love one another as we love ourselves, and that's towards unbelievers I mean toward other believers and so if what you're doing an unbeliever thinks is not right to be doing then you're going to withhold your freedom and not offend them or have them drawn into doing what you're doing out of peer pressure and so again we won't we don't want to offend or hurt other Christians so that's called the law of love the third principle that we can follow is the law of expediency. That's 1 Corinthians 10. talks about towards an unbeliever, it's not expedient. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. What's that mean? That if an unbeliever thinks what you're doing is wrong, then I'm going to hold off from doing that. Because you know unbelievers have expectations of what Christians can or can't do. For instance, a lot of unbelievers believe it's wrong for Christians to drink any alcohol at all, even with their dinner. And so lest I put an offense as a pastor and as they know me as a religious or what they call a religious person, and then they say, well, if, if he does that, he's a hypocrite. And so I don't want to put anything, a stumbling block in front of anybody getting saved. And so I limit that. That's called the law of expediency towards unbelievers. And then the fourth one we talked about is the law of sacrifice. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where you're a living sacrifice unto God. Those are times where God asks you personally to give up something. may not be wrong, may not be sinful, but for you it's a hindrance. He wants you to lay it aside, and it's a sacrifice unto God. And so raise your hand if you've ever sacrificed something God told you to set aside. Well, it's called being a living sacrifice. And so those are four principles. And we just basically taught that those doubtful things, you need to settle in your own heart. And how do you do that? Let the Word of God guide you, and the Holy Spirit's going to give you a principle from the Word to apply specifically in your life. But it applies for you specifically. But don't then take what God says to you and then apply it to everyone else and preach law to them. God told me no bacon. Well, I'm taking your bacon away. Don't. Don't touch my bacon. <laughs> Praise God. And so you have these four principles. And we talked about a weak brother and a strong brother. And a weak brother is a religious person. Someone that came out of legalism, came out of religion, a lot of us have, still has some hang-ups. 
And so we're living, those are believers that have their foot in two covenants. And so they're in the new covenant, but also have some things from the old covenant they're bringing in, some dietary laws or things they feel like they can't do or shouldn't do, or things they've just learned in their church that you're not allowed to participate in. And so that's a weak brother. That's called weak in the faith. And so if you're weak in the faith, you're weak in grace. If you're weak in the faith, because grace is received by faith. And so there are some that are weak in the faith, and a stronger brother, we're to receive those, but not to straighten them out, not to argue with them to show how they're wrong, and not to try to get them to do what you're doing. And so again, tell someone you're not the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And, and tell someone else you're not the junior Holy Spirit. You're not the Holy Spirit's helper. Hallelujah. And so we're to allow other people to have those, those choices and those convictions, personal convictions. And so we all should have those things. And we're going to talk about how should we get those things today. But don't become a preacher of righteousness to everyone else about what they should and shouldn't be doing. Just mind yourself. Check yourself or you wreck yourself. So praise God. All right. So look at verse 10. It says, but why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We found last week, we talked about that's two sides of a coin, that you have the weak brother judging someone that's walking in freedom, judging them for something they don't feel comfortable doing, and we have a tendency to judge one another. And so uh, raise your hand if you've been watching the Olympics. Okay, those are the ones about, there's TV, you guys are watching TV. Okay. All right. So you're watching the Olympics. You know, I, I, I like watching the Olympics. I, you know, I like the track and field, and I like the swimming and everything. I really like the high dive, you know, and you suppose you see the little, the, little, the little girls from China, and you're like, well, they even break the water when they hit. You know, they're little, you know, and they get a gold medal, and it's like, you know, they don't need a gold medal. They need a sandwich. I mean, but anyway, but praise God. But you know what? One of the most favorite sports of Christians in church is judging. Well, we judge one another. And so again, we found out that last week that you have one master, and it's Jesus and not one else. You're going to stand between one person. And to that master, you will stand or fall, and, he will, uh, and Jesus is going to keep you standing. So it says, uh, why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? That's the strong Christian judging the weak one that they're, they're uh, not illuminated like you. And that word contempt in the Greek means to treat as a nobody. To treat as a nobody. Like an imbecile. And so watch out. They, we can get into pride. Just, you know, you understand grace and we can get into pride over other Christians that are not as enlightened as we are. That's the grace thing to do, right? Is to judge someone as less than you because you understand grace which means unmerited favor, which you don't deserve. And so again, don't hold other people in contempt um, for what they don't understand. For we all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Say all. all. I did a study in the Greek and it means all. Say thank you. You're welcome. And so uh, here it says we all shall stand before the judgment. Say judgment seat of Christ. Well, pastor, I heard that there will be no more judgment because Jesus died for us. You heard wrong. 
Well, oh, well, Pastor, what about John 5:24? Well, I'm glad you brought it up. Let's talk about it. John 5, look at verse 24. Most assured, this is Jesus in the red. Uh, what does the Braille Bible have? I don't know. Anyway, I had some things come to my mind. John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Raise your hand if you've done that. Hallelujah. Well, it says, and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Pastor, you just shared a verse where it says we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This verse says we won't come into judgment. Will the real scripture stand up? Well, it depends on what, what you're being judged for. In John, in John chapter 5, it talks about you will never enter into judgment. What judgment is that? Judgment upon the guilt of your sins. Because Jesus on the cross bore every sin that you've ever committed past, present, and future. Well, when Jesus died 2,000 years ago, all your sins were future. So if he didn't forgive one, then he needs to come back and do it all over again. Hebrew says that's blasphemy. And so he covered it all. He's forgiven that. And so you're not going to go into judgment for your sins anymore. And so what judgment is this talking about, though, in this chapter where it says you all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ? This is not a judgment for your sins. It's a judgment upon your work. What, where did it come from, the origin of it, and the quality of it. That's what we're going to be judged for, and it's going to be based on what reward we receive at the end. And there's a reward for us. And so that's what this verse is talking about. We'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Well, pastor, give me another verse that shows that we'll be judged for our works. Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. Look at verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5, look at verse 10, it says, For we must all, say all, this is all Christians, appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of you may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so this can be a judgment upon our works, what we've done, good or bad. Now, if you just read that verse, you would kind of be a little nervous well, I've done some bad things, and so I'm going to receive back from the bad things I've done. What is that about, Pastor? And please alleviate my fear. And so we're going to do that this morning. I am glad that Paul actually, in another passage in 1 Corinthians 3, explains and describes what's going to happen at that judgment seat of Christ. We know exactly what's going to happen and what's going to take place there. So let's go over there. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 10. 1 Corinthians 3.10, Paul says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid a foundation and another builds on it. But let each one, say each one, take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay, which is, which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, which, what, who is the foundation here? Jesus. And if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have a sure foundation to stand on as a Christian that your sins are forgiven, He has borne your guilt, you're not going to hell, you're going to heaven. And so you have that foundation you're going to stand on on this judgment day. Because it's not going to be a judgment on you. It's going to be a judgment upon your works. And so you and your works are not the same. 
And so you need to understand that. And so let's look, let's keep reading. Verse 12. But if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. Each one of us are building upon our salvation experience and we're building something in the kingdom of God. God didn't give you a private rapture when you got saved. He had work for you to do. Say work. Tell someone, are you, are you going to do some work sometime? <laughs> work is not a four-letter four four, dirty word, right? Now, works of legalism to try to get God, earn your salvation, that's bad. But there's works of faith. There's works God's called you to do in the kingdom. He has for you to do. And so he saved you but didn't take you to heaven because he left you here to do a kingdom work. And so what you're building on there, you're building either with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. What is these? What's gold? Gold speaks of what's divine. What is of divine nature? And so this means what you're doing, you're doing by God's inspiration. You're doing it out of faith in God's leading. And you're doing what God's called you to do. This is the, your works have God as the source and you are re responding to God's grace. And so that's building with gold. What's building with silver? Silver speaks of redemption in scripture. And so what does that mean? That what you're doing is that you are bringing the re redemption that saved you to other people. You're out witnessing with your lifestyle. You're witnessing with your lips the gospel. You're leading people to Christ. You are building silver in your life, bringing other people into redemption. What about the gemstones, the, the precious stones? Those represent believers. You know, in the Old Testament, when the high priest had the, gar had the ephod and the gemstones represented the, the tribes of Israel, those are the people of God. Uh, Peter talked about that we're all living stones. Now, that doesn't mean pieces of gravel that's out there. Well, you really encouraged me. I didn't feel very good about me, and now I'm a piece of gravel. No, that's a gemstone. Living stone, you're a gemstone. Tell someone you're a gem. Even you, John, you're a gem. And so we might be cleaning some dirt off our gem, but praise God, we're a gem. And we're a gemstone. What does that mean that you're building with gemstones? Is that what you're doing is you're serving the household of God. There's a work that you're called to do to the lost, but also to the church. You have a ministry to the body of Christ. And so building with gemstones is, is your ministry to other believers. And so you have those. But then you can also build with wood, hay, and straw. Those are just natural, earthly, earthy substances that were quickly burned. You know, you could build something with the finest mahogany and just have a beautiful architecture of wood and then put it to the flame and it's down. It's going to be gone in very, in very short order. Now, if you put gold and silver and precious stones, it's going to make it through the fire. And so, again, the wood, hay, and struggle. What's the wood? That's you doing what you wanted to do instead of what God wanted to do. You coming up with your own plan and asking God to bless it. You building the beautiful thing. I mean, you could be the finest woods. It could be so beautiful, but it's of your source, not God's. That's going to hit the fire one day, and it's going to be ashes. And so what are you building? Are you building with gold, silver, and precious stones or with wood? Hay, straw. That's different degrees of even getting less quality. Wood, hay, and straw. So I don't want to build a nice wooden house filled with hay and straw just for to have burn, baby, burn. Praise God. Go to the next verse. 1 Corinthians 3, look at verse 13. 
Each one's sin will become clear, for the day will declare it because it's revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's sin of what sort it was. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I had the clueless translation again. I am sorry. I've, I've been working on not doing that. What does this verse say? Each one's work, say work, work, will become evident. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each one's work, say work, work. of what sort it is. If anyone's work, say work, work, which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work, say work, work. is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself would be saved, yet as through fire. Did you notice? Work, 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 work. He's trying to get it clear to you. It's not your sins. Because so many Christians are, are so concerned when they get to heaven that God has a big drumbotron, a jumbotron up there. And every sin that you ever done is going to be displayed for heaven to see. No. Tell someone good news. We don't want a horror show in heaven, praise God. <laughs> Jesus dealt with the sin, dealt with the guilt. What's going to be judged is your work, not you. Well, I'm afraid I'm going to get judged and I'm going to, because right here, look at what the verse says. It says, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. <gasps> that means I'll suffer loss and I'll lose and I'll go to hell. No, it means you'll suffer the reward. That God had, that portion of reward that you could have had for that. Because it's talking about reward here. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved. Why? Because you're on the foundation. Yet as through fire. That's like walk your house is on fire. You get out and the whole house burns down. It's all ashes, but you're safe. And that's the way it is. If you, if you did everything for yourself, you just got saved and and live for yourself in wood, hay, and stubble, and you built a beautiful wooden house and filled it with hay and straw, it all burns up. Praise God, you're saved. But no reward. I want to have a reward for the Lord. Amen? I want gold, silver, and precious stones to be able to honor the Lord with, because now I'm going to share this. This is Rickyology. Now, now if I can't clearly define that, I'll tell you this is Rickyology. But we do know that part of our reward as Christians is a crown. Crown of life. Uh, it will be very clear we will receive as a reward a crown. And this is going to be a golden crown, and it will have silver and precious stones. Where, do, where does this crown come from? I believe it comes from the gold, silver, and precious stones that make it through the fire and is crafted into a crown. But guess what? Jesus coming back in Revelation 19 says when he comes back, he's going to be crowned with many crowns. Where does he get those crowns? From us. That we have something and he, God gives us this crown. And he's like, you know what? This is by grace. I mean, you, you gave me the, the gifts and the abilities and, and even helped me not give up. And you, and you helped me through all this. And God, this is really a source of grace. So you take it off and you cast it at his feet. And he's going to put it on one day and be glorified by it. I don't want to get to heaven and all I have is a palm leaf. <laughs> or I don't want to have so little, so little gold, so little silver that instead of a crown, it's a thimble. <laughs> crown him with many thimbles. 
balls. Now, believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's all Christians. But one day, all unbelievers will stand before the judgment seat of God, but that's called the white throne judgment. Well, that sounds nice. No, you don't want to be there. We'll be judged before the thousand-year reign of Jesus, but after the thousand reign, all the unbelievers are going to be judged. In Revelation 20, look at verse 11. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, that's after the thousand years of reign of Jesus, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Question, how can dead people stand before God? This is not talking about physically dead, spiritually dead. Small and great. These are ones that were very influential in the earth when they lived and those that were pretty much had anonymity on the earth, but they're all spiritually dead. They never received Jesus. They're all going to stand before God one day, small and great. And it says the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And so those that didn't accept Jesus, the book of life will be, the land's book of life will be opened and their name would have been blotted out. Because we find out throughout Scripture that when Jesus died for everybody, he died that redemption was for everybody, and God wrote everybody's name down because that redemption, but, to, but you have to claim that. And when you don't claim it, you don't accept Jesus, the name is blotted out. And so the names are blotted out. They're not found in the book of life. So they're judged by another set of books called the books of works because they're there trusting in their own works. They didn't, why didn't they receive Jesus? Because I believe my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds. And so I'm just trusting in my own good works to get to heaven. And so, okay, you're trusting in your good works, so let's pull the books out and examine your works. And so you're like, okay, John Smith, we see you from Topeka, Kansas. Okay, that's you, okay. Let's look down your first thing. You had perfect attendance in Sunday school. I know. I have the ribbon still here. And I'm so proud of that. I'm glad you brought that up. I was hoping you'd bring that up. And God says, well, okay, well, let's, let's, let's lay aside that. Let's lo- roll that back and, and see why you did it. You were trying to impress Susie. And you wanted to get pride in front of all the kids of what you did. Oh, can we go to the next one, please? One after another. Well, I see that you joined the Kiwanis Club. Yeah, I was hoping you'd bring that up. I went to, I joined that. I said, well, let's, let's lay aside. Let's find out why you did that. You were, run, you were running business deals through the Qantas Club. That's why you joined it. Oh, yeah. Okay, move on to the next thing. One after another, the motives of man's hearts can be revealed as evil, selfish, self-serving, and they'll stand there with nothing to stand on, no foundation to stand on. And it says... And the sea gave, in verse 13, the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And they themselves, if their names not found in the lands of life, were cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. And so verse 11, Romans chapter 14, verse 11 says, For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So in the previous verse, it says that 
all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, all believers. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So here we find out this verse is applied to believers. And praise God, every one of you have accepted Jesus and have bowed your knee and you've confessed Jesus as your Lord. Or you're not saved. Raise your hand if you've bowed your knee to Jesus as Lord and confessed him as your Lord. Well, you're saved. But you, have, but you did it on this side of death. But there's going to come a time when, some, when people die that there's no more time to do it on this side to be saved. They'll do it on the other side, but they're not saved. Matter of fact, this, this same passage is quoted in the book of Philippians. Look at the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Look at verse 10. This is quoted again in Philippians 2. Look at verse 10. This verse here in Romans is talking about believers are going to do that. But let's talk about what it says in Philippians. Look at Philippians 2.10. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on the earth, and those under the earth. Talking about believers and unbelievers. But believers have done it this side of death. Unbelievers will all do it on the other side of death. Hitler will bow, Mussolini will bow, Stalin will bow, and all confess that he's Lord, but it won't bring salvation to them. So you got to do it now. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now, say now, now. is the accepted time. Behold, now, say now, now, is the day of salvation. Now. If you don't know Jesus, why are you putting it off? Because now's the time. Now's the time. You're not promised tomorrow, but you're promised right now. Are you going to accept Jesus right now? Because it's too late after you die. Hebrews 9.27 says it's given to men to die once and then the judgment. You don't have a chance after that. So go to verse 12. Go back to Romans 14. Look at verse 12. So then each one, say each. Well, I was hoping I'd get out of this. No. So then each of us shall give an account of himself or herself to God. Tell someone you're going to give an account to God. What's this verse talking about? Give account to God. Why is that? That's the language of being a steward. Stewards have to give an account of what's been given to them. You know, everything you have in your life, everything, even your body, even your words, everything you own, all are gifts from God to, for you to steward over, to use for his, his glory, for his kingdom. Even the car you're driving is a gift from God. Well, pastor, I don't think it's a gift. I don't call it a blessing. Well, it used to be a blessing until you trashed it. But you're, everything you have, God's called you to be a steward over, and he will say, how did you use that? Did you use it for me? Did you use it for yourself? And we were going to give it, was it gold, silver, precious stones, or was it wood, hay, and stubble? That's talking about your relationships, your spouse, your marriage, your children. I'm talking about your words that you speak. Everything been given to you as a gift to use in his kingdom. And are you being a steward of that? And so we'll all give an account to God one day of how we use that. Look at verse 13. It says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. The Greek says, stop judging. We just love to judge. The flesh loves to judge, but says stop judging one anymore, but rather resolve this. The word judge means to decide, to decide. 
Well, if, you, if you're bent on deciding something, resolve to decide to do this. Therefore, do not judge one another, but rather resolve or decide this. Don't put a stumbling block or cause a fall in your brother's way. See, I'd rather be weak in faith than being weak in love. Because when I don't really care about my life and how it appears to other people, to unbelievers and to other believers, I'm saved, I'm righteous, I'm holy, bless God, to care less about anybody else. My words I speak, my promise I give, things I do, really don't care. I'm a graceite, I'm saved by grace, could care less about anybody else. That's the nature of Jesus, isn't it? And so, so if you don't care about other people and you're damaging other people around you, yeah, you may not be weak in faith, but you're weak in love. And 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, now remains these, faith, hope, and love, the greatest is love. So if I'm going to, I'd rather be a little weaker in faith than weak in love. Ask someone, are you strong in love? I would ask, how's your love life? But it just doesn't go up. <laughs> Single people in here, it's just, I just stay away from it. A stumbling block. That's a strong brother using their liberty. That's basically them waving their bacon in front of the face of the other. <laughs> Where's my sizzle? I don't. I used to, in my first service, I got bacon sizzling in my stomach. Yeah, I don't know. I've lost my bacon. Well. Verse 14. I know and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Notice Paul says, I know, say I know, and I'm convinced. You know, there's a lot of Christians out there basing their knowledge and they're being convinced, but it's not by the Lord. Their, their knowledge and their being convinced is coming from the news. There's my bacon. <laughs> Showed up a little late, but it came. Thank you, Lord. Let me go over here. A lot of Christians today, their knowledge... And what they're being convinced of is coming from social media. That's quicksand. Paul said, I know and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus. That's what you need to get your knowledge from and you need to get your convincing. And the Lord Jesus is synonymous with the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. Of God. How are you going to be convinced by Jesus? By being convinced by the Word of God. That's the foundation. Ask someone, are you in the Word of God? Then ask someone else, is the Word of God in you? I know and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean of itself. Paul says, I came to a revelation that no food is unclean. I can have bacon, I can have ham sandwiches, I can have pork chops, I can have fried shrimp. <laughs> and he says, I got it from the Word. 
I was convinced by the words of Jesus. The very words of Jesus told you that. You know, Peter had to get that revelation in the book of Acts. But during Jesus' ministry, he was out to lunch the day Jesus taught this lesson. Because Jesus in his ministry taught this lesson and Peter didn't get it. He had to retake the lesson later in the book of Acts. Jesus said clearly that no food was unclean. Well, pastor, I didn't know he did that. Well, let me, let me, let me read where he said that. Look in Mark chapter 7, look at verse 15. Mark 7, look at verse 15. Jesus said this, this is, uh, There is nothing, say nothing, that enters a man from the outside which can defile him. But the things which come from out him, those things defile him. You know, if Peter was paying attention, he would have, should have said, uh, wait, oh, <coughs> Jesus. Okay, are you saying that bacon's okay? Yes, it's heaven for tomorrow morning. <laughs> Nothing coming in defiles you. Peter was out to lunch. He didn't even ask a follow-up question. You know, if you don't get the lesson the first time, you're going to have to retake it. Tell someone, pay attention. Later on, Peter had to retake the lesson. He is in the book of Acts. He's up on a housetop. He's waiting for lunch. He's hungry, and he falls into a trance. Now, I can relate. I've been waiting for lunch and fallen into a trance before. <laughs> Me and Peter, I understand him. And a sheet was dropped down, and in it was pigs and little shrimps and, and, and different things that were unclean. And he said, Peter, kill, eat. He says, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean that's touched these lips. Well, I shall not defile myself. And he had to do it three times, and he finally got, oh, I get it. Tell someone, pay attention. So God declared all foods clean. Look again, 1 Timothy 4.4, 4, for those that are doubtful and need convincing by the word. 1 Timothy 4.4 4 says, For every creature of God is good, and nothing, say nothing, is to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving. Say, praise the Lord. I'm glad I'm a redeemed Gentile. Hallelujah. Okay, go back in here. It says, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Verse 23 of this chapter says, whatever is not of faith is sin to you. So you need to have confidence. Where is that faith going to come from? The word. The word. And so it's considered unclean. And so this speaks of those that are governed by their conscience. And so we'll look at that at the next verse. And so, you know, there are some people that think everything is unclean. Everything is impure. Nothing is pure. And so look at Titus 1.15. Titus 1.15. says, to the pure, raise your hand, that's you. I don't think I got a full, okay, to the pure, that's you. So how did you get pure? By trying to be a good person and, no, by trusting in Jesus and his forgiveness of sins and becoming his righteousness, that makes you pure? Okay. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, 
but even their mind and conscience are defiled. That their conscience, whatever, whatever there's evil lurking in it and everything you can do is, is unclean and it's wrong. And, and, and it's like, you know what? I can't go into a bowling alley. There's smoke in there. And if I go, if I, and if the Lord catches me and he, Jesus comes back and I have a bowling ball in my hand, what should I do? <laughs> Drop the ball. Not on your foot. The conscience is a byproduct of the knowledge of good and evil. But it doesn't mean that we just disregard our conscience. Because we'll have a conscience until we pass to the other side. And, and the knowledge, it's from the knowledge of good and evil. Your conscience is trained by what you've learned. And so the not, your conscience is not bad. It's how you've trained it wrongly. You need to retrain it through the Word of God. But the word conscience uh, means uh, to, know in, to know with, to know in, uh, with something else. And so if you've been taught early on it's wrong to go to a football game because there's cheerleaders with skirts on. No football. And, you, and someone talks you into going and you show up. What's going to be wrong with their conscience? It's going to bother them. Because they, they're wrong. So they need to have renewed conscience based on what the word says. And so, so football is not inherently evil. And I pray for my team. I'm still praying for the Cowboys. They will win the Super Bowl this year. Hope springs eternal. And I will be disappointed. So I just got judged. I, I felt judgment come out towards me. You've missed it. You're going to have to relearn this lesson. You didn't pay attention. Verse 15. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. I'd rather be strong in love than strong in faith. I want to have both. If I had to pick one, I'd rather be strong in love than strong in faith. Yet your brother's grieved by you swinging your bacon in front of their face. Look what I get to do. You are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one whom Christ died for. Look at that word destroy. It means to harm. To harm. How do you harm somebody when you basically flaunt your freedoms and basically talk them into it, make them feel stupid, and then they, out of peer pressure, do what they don't feel like they should be doing, you violate their conscience and harm their conscience. And, your con and if it says, Hebrews says, if your conscience is troubled, then you have no confidence towards God. That's why we should keep a good, clean con conscience, because we have confidence towards God. Last verse. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken as evil. God left you here to be a witness, to be a blessing to people around you. He didn't give you a private rapture. He left you here to lead people to Christ, lead, build up your brothers and sisters. And if I have to put down my bacon for a little bit, put down my pizza with pepperoni, sausage, and pineapple, I'll do that. I hope none of you are offended by it. 
If you are, tell me, and then I'll be a living sacrifice. <laughs> Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much that, Lord, that you has blessed us, Lord, and, and you've given us liberty and given us freedoms, and, and Lord, that you're going to reward us one day by everything you've given us in grace, by just using it as a steward, you're going to reward us. You're going to give us grace, unmerited favor, and then when we operate and use it and are a good steward of that grace, you reward us. That's grace. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that those here, they understand, Lord, that they are stewards over everything you've given them. Their words, their relationships, their possessions. And they'll be held accountable. How did they use it? Was it gold, silver, precious stones, or was it wood, hay, and stubble for themselves? You say, Pastor, that really hit me today about being a steward and that I, I want to have gold, silver, and precious stones. I want to have that crown that I can hand the Lord Jesus. He can put on and be glorified by it. And, I, and I, I really understand more about being a steward today. And I, and I, want, I want to be a better steward than ever before. Not for my own glory, but I can worship the Lord with it on the, on the back side of this. And if that's you, and you said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm trusting the Lord to be a better steward over all that God's given me, I want you to raise your hand high. I thank you, Lord, that those that have their hand, I have my hand raised. I want to be a better steward, even my words and my marriage and my children, my relationships and, and, and possessions, Lord, that's all for your glory and for your purposes and your kingdom. Lord, that I can bring redemption to the lost and I can minister to the gems. Father, I thank you that I receive a crown that I can give to you, Jesus. And I worship you with that. And I thank you that you're glorified by it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Good morning. While I was worshiping, the Father dropped into my heart that after this message, many of you are now thinking, okay, now I've got to be really aware of what I'm doing. If it's... Uh, gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. And he said, if you continue to focus on me and develop a love relationship with me, then your works are going to fall into line for that. He said, it's like when Peter walked on the water, as long as he was focused on me, he was okay. The minute he began to look at his works, he began to sink. All my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so 